Okay. Right. Amen. So, um, well, glad to have everybody that wanted to be here this morning. John and I are actually quite excited about doing this and staying consistent. Um, so this sort of came about with, um, I, I just started to really pray regularly about, um, just about what does God uh, really want John and I to do, especially, you know, for me, how he wanted me to, what he wanted me to do during this time. And um, so a lot of what we're going to share today, obviously, is about training leaders. Um, might be a little different, the first one, um, but it comes out of specific prayer and really the spirit moving me and putting it in my heart. In fact, this lesson after praying for days, uh, I would say weeks, um, got, and I was praying, I got woken up in the middle of the, I don't know, I guess it was morning or night or whatever. And uh, if you look at my, you can't really see my handwriting, but it looks like chicken scratch because what happened was it just kept on coming and I kept on trying to write and it was still dark and it looks like a mess. Um, but we're really excited. And I think the biggest thing that God has uh, revealed is that we're in a, in a really crazy time. I don't need to say that. Everybody knows that. But in a way, it's a really kind of really neat time because it, we have no boundaries. Anybody we can reach out to is able to get on Zoom or you know, any, any, any media like this. And so that was the first thing that God put on my heart because I have been praying consistently, Lord, lead me to, a, to some soul today. And you know, when you're praying that and you find yourself sick and so you have to watch where you even go and what you do, and so, and, and the ones that have spent time in my house love that I know that I love to have my house open and have people over and eat and do stuff. So that's been hard for me. And then, um, and then, so that's, that's hard, right? So you're in the house and then we work for the church. So every day who we see or who we talk to is, is mostly church people, right? So I've just been praying, God, lead me to some soul because I need my faith to grow. I need to see how the scripture really changes people's lives and, um, and, my, and my faith to grow from that, right? So I've been, I have been praying this, and later on I'll share some other things that God has revealed because I've also prayed for God to specifically give me ideas about things that we can do, and especially what can I do in my neighborhood uh, what things can I do that I can meet people, right, outside of just um, uh, the church? So this lesson and this idea came out of, of those prayers. Um, and so I'm, we're really excited to share with you guys. So John is going to go first. And um, there's, there's three points that we're going to talk about when it comes to being a leader, and the first one is um, the first one is understanding the scripture in context. The second point is intimacy with God through prayer. And the last one is understanding or coming to grips with what your purpose is, those three. And so we, um, with, no, with no delay here, my husband is going to share Would you mind, would you mind just uh, sh uh, saying that again, please? Sure. So the first one is understanding or knowing scriptures in context. The second one is to have an intimate relationship with God, intimacy with God. 
And the last one is finding your purpose. You can find your purpose or you can know your purpose or you can expand on your purpose, but knowing what the purpose is in your life. Okay, John? When you think about the idea of knowing scriptures in context, we're gonna use, we're gonna use Psalm 119 to, uh, to talk from. And that's, that's uh, a wonderful Psalm because it's, uh, it's poetry. It's organized around the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Each of the, each of the stanzas of eight verses takes the first letter, begins with the first letter of uh, that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's like taking A and all the A words and then B and all the B words in each stanza. So it's a poem, it's a song, um, and it has a single theme. Um, I tell you one resource is, those of you who have a, a search engine available, go to douglasjacobi.com, search on Psalm 119. Um, he's got, there, that, for me, that's, that's a resource, douglasjacobi.com is a resource I use because he points to a lot of different other resources. If you wanna learn things in context and you wanna learn um, about using God's word in context, that's a great, that's a great resource and a place. In fact, if you use his uh, premium subscription, he actually has a commentary on each book of the New Testament, where uh, on each chapter of each book of the New Testament as a starting place, if you want to get a little background and context about how that uh, uh, chapter of the New Testament is used, that's a place to go to uh, as well. But um, you know, he talks about uh, when you look on Psalm 119 and then scroll down to Psalm 119 under that section, he talks about the entire Psalm is structured around a single theme, God's word. And so when you look, when you look at it, it's, it's all on God's word. It's, um, you know, blessed, it begins, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. But what does it mean to walk according uh, to the law of the Lord and use that um, in context. Uh, how do you, do you mean, does it mean that, you know, you can go to God's word and answer the questions of, should I marry this person? Or, you know, is this, is, is this the right person to be my friend? Are you gonna, are you going to find answers to every question in life by turning to the Bible like an eight ball, a magic eight ball and saying, you know, answer this specific question for me. So, or are there principles for how we live our life uh, and find it there? Um, you know, he says, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Those who have uh, done or doing the purity class, you know, I might recognize Psalm 119 verse nine. How can a young person stay on the path uh, of purity by living according to your word? There's, there's practicals there and principles that if we will put them into practice and follow them um, will hold us and keep us on the path of righteousness, but it's not, it's not going to answer every single daily question when you have principles and guidance. So there's, there's aspects of the Bible that are very practical, but there's also aspects that are more of like, these are principles for life that we need to absorb, that we apply. Like, um, it's, not, it's not something like, you know, you can take the Proverbs and say, do exactly this and everything will work out and it'll turn out and it'll turn out perfect. Um, but context matters. One of the famous passages for that is Jeremiah 29, 13. You guys, uh, uh, you guys know what uh, Jeremiah 29, 13 is? Um, 11 is the one that I have hopes and plans for you, future, make you prosper, those kind of things, right? 
yeah, okay. Plans to prosper you, says the Lord. You know, plans to, get, to give you hope and a future. Um, how, how, um, how do you apply that to today? What is, it, what is that saying uh, for people today? Um, well, for them, that's right. It's not twenty nine thirteen. That's you seek me and find me. Not when you seek me with all your heart. I'm looking for plans to prosper. You. Eleven. It's two verses before. Yeah, two verses before twenty nine eleven. Okay. We were just about to go into exile, right? Yes. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Is he talking about, um, is the psalmist talking about us today and uh, hopes for our individual lives and our individual futures? What's he talking about? Well, I don't think he's trying to say that God's going to give each of us a private jet. <laughs> uh, so, something, to know, something just to know about context is if you, if you start looking and you never ever read a verse you don't read one verse in the bible you read you read the verse you read the verses surrounding it you read the whole chapter around it and you understand where does that chapter fit within the book and in context if you study out the book of jeremiah and in context you find out that the israelites are in exile that um the prophet is speaking to those who are in exile, and he's saying that there are plans to bring the exiles back to Israel. Now, it's not going to happen in your lifetime, but when he's saying Israel will prosper, the nation of Israel in the future, after you're dead, those of you exiles whom I'm talking to, Israel will prosper. Now, when we with 21st century Western eyes, read this and pull and, and do eisegesis, which means we pull it into our modern day context, we say, oh, God is blessing me as an individual, an because indiv with my individualistic westernized thinking, I as an individual am going to be personally blessed in my own personal life, and therefore this is my prosperity uh, scripture. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 gets, you know, sewn on pillows and uh, written on gifts and passed on and viewed, and viewed way out of context from its original meaning. But a passage, if you don't understand what it meant in its original setting, you're going to have a skewed application to today when you, when you try to apply it. You know, but back to Psalm 119. When you, when, you, when you go through Psalm 119, there are wonderful nuggets because it's on a single theme uh, of God's word, and you find you find pretty much um, all of the spiritual disciplines that we studied out in the in the disciplines um, month uh, at at church on prayer. And He says, "I will meditate uh, on your on your word." I, uh, verse fifteen: I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. How do we neglect His word? Not reading it, not paying attention to it, not, um, not making it part of our regular practice of reading, whether it's Lectia Divina and you read, take a passage and read it over and over again, or you memorize it, put it in your heart. Um, you know, I remember taking Psalm 119, 105, your word is a, a lamp into my, to my feet and a, a light uh, to my path, or as the new wording is, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Um, so you, it, it gets inside of you, and you're, you're memorizing it, and it, it, it comes up at times when you are feeling, feeling it. David, or the, the psalmist here, is saying, you know, I, I really feel sometimes that I have enemies and oppressors, and that uh, I try to do justice, God, but... Um, you're going to have to deliver me from my oppressors. 
you know, what, what, a wonderful, what a wonderful application for today when people feel uh, out of sync, oppressed even. Um, but where, where do we turn to for comfort? As uh, Hebrews 12 says, we have inherited a kingdom that can never be shaken. Do we believe that God's kingdom is his word, um, applying his word, taking his word, living it out, and living by those principles? Do we believe we will never be shaken when we live according to his word? according to the principles of his kingdom? Do we believe that it is an answer for the stresses of today? So these are just some of the, the nuggets you can find taking God's word in context. So we're Preach gonna it, go, John. We're going to go back and forth. And usually, as you know, when we do lessons, especially with John, we ask a lot of questions and you guys get to answer. We're actually going to teach this lesson and then at the end, we're going to discuss it. Um, so, you know, applying that Psalm 119, guys, I just want to encourage you to really go through it and read it, uh, maybe out loud, meditate on it as one of your quiet times. It is amazing how that psalm, psalmist loved the word and how all the incidents that come in it, he brings it all back to the to the precepts to the word and the word is what really leads him and so why is it important if you're leading a group if god puts you in a leadership position to know the word and know it in context well it's important because if you don't know it in context and you have people coming to you and asking or you're teaching you're not going to teach from what the scriptures really say it's just like John says, if somebody comes to you and with, with a problem and you want to bring them back to scripture, if you don't know it, you might come and, and do Jeremiah, but Jeremiah might have nothing to do with, with the situation, but it's a way to sort of go like, oh yeah, everything will be fine. But you don't want to do that because things weren't fine in the Old Testament and things were not fine in the New Testament and they're not fine today and they're never going to be perfect. And so our goal is to bring people back to God and to bring them back to God. They have to know the scripture and they, and you want to help them to know the scripture. You don't want, you know, you don't want to feed them. Um, you know, just give them something you want them. It's like they say, you don't want to feed people food. You want to teach them to farm, right? To get their own food. So we want to teach you guys to farm you know, these spiritual things so that you then can help others to do the same. Um, the other thing about this knowing the word is that when you lead, you can either lead from power because they've given you a position or you're going to lead from faith and confidence in God. And the only way you're going to lead from faith and confidence in God is to get your faith where it needs to come from. And one of them is going to be from knowing the scriptures, knowing it in context and knowing how to apply it. Um, okay, so the second one is um, to grow in your, in your intimacy with God, okay? So, you know, knowing the scriptures, you, it, it's a wonderful thing about the Bible. You read it, you go back and read it again, and it, and it, the Spirit allows you to understand it in a different way. So you have scriptures, and it will just continue to revolutionize your relationship with God, right? So intimacy with God, and I, I would say to be intimate with God, you have to be able to get to know God and for God to get to know you. And since God and Jesus, the spirit lives in us, but God and Jesus are like somewhere. I don't, I don't know, understand all that yet, all the realms of the Lord. Um, so the way we do is we, we talk to him, right? You can call it prayer. You, we talk to God and, um, and the spirit, it says that the Bible, that the spirit even uh, 
allows us and will intercede for us and actually make up for prayers that we don't even know. Uh, but to be able to even grasp that, we have to like just find a place of knowing God, knowing Jesus, understanding how the spirit works in our life. And you got to come to know and to have this, this amazing, intimate, your father, your God, um, your king, your savior, like he's everything to you, the most important person in your life. And so in this one, I want to show you a scripture because um, go to, uh, let me see, what's this? Sorry, let me put my glasses. I can't see anything. Um, you're going to go to John 518. Um, well, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to start from John 517 on. And it says, the father said to them, my father, I mean, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. And I'm not going to go through every scripture. You guys have know enough that God was about praying early in the morning, uh, 40 days of prayer, praying with his disciples, short prayers, big prayers. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that the Jews referred to God not as, his, as the Father at all. It was referred to as the Lord or God. And so when Jesus came referring to, to God as the Father, they, they wanted to kill him. But see, there's a big, and, and if, if you look through all the times that, God, that Jesus refers to God, he almost 100% refers to God as his Father. There's this intimate relationship between God and his, about Jesus and his Father. There's this just very, there's a depth of, I do exactly what he says. I hear his voice, right? There's this amazing, intimate relationship that Jesus was trying to teach everyone, this, this beautiful relationship between a father and a son. And so talking about that, I do want to say that in our lives, we, a lot of us don't have an intimate relationship with with our, with our father on earth, might not have a father, might have lost our father. And so when it comes to thinking about that intimate relationship that Jesus had with the father, it's sometimes very complex to try to grasp and understand. And so we have to figure out how to build an intimate relationship with God in spite of what we have inherited here on earth with our family. And the only way to do it is to have some very, very deep conversations with him. Very honest. If you find yourself that you don't have a relationship with your father, let's say, and you can't really grasp or understand Maybe, I'm just saying, your, your conversations will, will be with God. Help me, Lord, for you to be my daddy, the one I don't know, the one I don't understand. Help me to understand what it means to really have a father. Help me to have faith, the honesty of being able to really work on that intimacy is this honesty of where we all are. God, help me. So I had a beautiful relationship with my dad. He was 
honestly, like my God. And after I became a Christian, um, so I had to have some very intimate and very, I would say, um, embarrassing conversations with God because I loved my dad so much and he filled me so much that I couldn't find space for God. And for some of you, that might be awkward. But for me, I had to go to God and have these prayers. God, I can't believe that at times I think more of my father to help me than you. I can't believe that I think, oh my gosh, if my father would die, I think I'll die without knowing that you can sustain me. And I had to go through these conversations with God to dig deep into my own life so that I could learn to love God more than I, in my earthly way, loved my father. And for him to really take the place that he needed to take in my life. So when it comes to intimacy with God, um, I'm not going to go through all the prayers. You guys know. But the whole big point here is, Without that intimacy with God, how are you gonna, how are we gonna lead? Okay, we're gonna lead out of our own accord, our own understanding, our own, you know, what we know. But if you work and work on that intimacy with God, battling with him with whatever it is, the good and the bad. And in the process, you're able to, when you talk to somebody you're, you're leading, to be honest about, you know, as much as you want to, obviously, about the things that you wrestle with, that you struggle with, that you beg God to work in your life when it comes to an intimate relationship with him. I mean, you can share about your sin. I'm talking about working and working and fighting on that intimate, intimate relationship with God. And in working on the intimate relationship with God, one of the things that we have to work as Christians is finding our security in our Father. Security coming from our Father, not from the brain, not from the jobs we have, not from the skills, the beauty, whatever it is, but the intimacy coming from God and the way he sees us. And so in there, that's why it's so important to work on that intimacy with God and telling him, God, I see myself this way. I put myself down in this way. I think I am this way. And working through this, what John said is, you know the scriptures in context and thinking, that's not how God made you. He loves you. You know, he thinks you're awesome. You're wonderfully created. And so you work on that with God teaching yourself that he made you wonderful and telling yourself over and over and over again so that your words in your head become the words that God really wants from, for you. I often think, you know, God wants us to help others. Like one of the Ten Commandments is um, love your neighbor as yourself. And so think about as disciples, we want to love the lost and bring them in. But if you don't love yourself, how then can you transfer? You don't love yourself. How do you love your neighbor? You see what I'm saying? And some of us actually can find ways to love our neighbor by doing stuff that we don't love, where we don't even love ourselves. So in the intimacy with God, it's working through all these things that we have learned or experienced or grown up with, right? That are not what God says should be. And I, I can just give you a little tidbit here. Um, when I practice doing therapy is that, you know, our subconscious is just there. It accumulates anything we experience and go through. And it just stays there and it doesn't have intelligence. So, and you can study this if you want to, but what happens is when you're in a situation, it just flashes right before you, before you can even say, wait, 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 that wasn't true, okay? So that's why I find the scriptures, when, when the scriptures say, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ and other scriptures that talk about taking your thoughts and being what God's thoughts are, 
is because we have to train our subconscious. And any therapist will tell you that when somebody, even with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and, and the subconscious is what comes up, you basically lie to your subconscious so that you can change the, the story. So if you think that you're like, I'm just terrible, I can't do anything, what, what the, a good therapist will tell you is to give yourself affirmations and say, I am a great person. You know, and when we're Christians, you can say, I am a great human being. God created me in his image. Oh my gosh, I have to find the image. You don't have to say that much. Small, small affirmations. I'm a wonderful person. Every morning, oh, trick your brain, your subconscious to say the right things. Now, I say that from a neurological and therapy point of view, but the truth is the Bible says that. God gives us tips on how to transform our mind so that we can work on understanding scriptures as how it relates to us and building that intimate relationship with God. And, and listen, when you are that intimate and you tell God who you really are, and it doesn't have to be hours, it could be minutes, it can be, it can be whatever time. But when you do that, the Bible also promises that the spirit intercedes for us and that he will, the, the spirit will, will pray to God in areas that maybe we haven't vocalized. And in there, God continues then to transform us and for us to build this amazing relationship, this intimate relationship with him. And so when you're leading, why to have an intimate relationship with God? Because when you're leading, you're leading from that intimacy with God. And even to the point that there's times that you're going to be involved in, in a leadership situation and you can actually say, I don't know. I don't know. I have to go to the scriptures and see what they say. And I need to go into God in prayer and see what the, how the spirit moves me. That we are able to do that because we're not perfect and we are led by God and we want to lead in this matter as opposed to be leading from just the position that we have. Okay, now I'm gonna share something as we move to the purpose. You know, that little saying, it says, uh, it became very popular, what would Jesus do, right? And people are like, what would Jesus do? So, um, um, and so I just want to say, when we say, what would Jesus do? Here's what happens to our mind. We think, what would Jesus do? It's very subjective. It's what do we think Jesus would do? And now that I, we've shared about the scriptures and we've shared about the intimacy with God, I would encourage you to ask yourself, what did Jesus do? Because what Jesus what did Jesus do is not subjective. It doesn't come from some kind of background that you have, or, you know, just sometimes we just have really baggage. And so we put that in there, or we then say, what would Jesus do? And then we think he's so perfect, we can never get there. But what did Jesus do? You can go to scripture, you can see what he did, you can then pray and ask him to give you the strength uh, the security in him to try to do some of those things that he did. So I would just encourage you to think that way. Okay, now we're going to move over to the purpose. One, one last word on intimacy. Uh, you, you, you can know a lot about Jesus's intimacy when you see his prayer uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, because he cries out, Abba, Father. And Abba was a term that Jewish children would use of their dad. It means Papa or Daddy. And to apply that to God is, is very unique. Uh, Jesus did that and Paul did that. You see that in three places in the New Testament. Um, and so it's that, that term of endearment and, and closeness. And um, Jesus brought intimacy with God to a new level that the Jewish Pharisees just were not thinking about. Another place you can see that, I don't know if any of you have tuned into the free internet series, The Chosen, um, which is eight episodes on, on the life of Jesus, but you see a lot of Jesus's intimacy with God and with others uh, in that program. It really focuses on the 
intimate and the intimate angle. And and by the way, as you're studying God's um, Jesus's intimacy with God, you you will also see that it grew like ours is going to grow. It it grows from the beginning of his you know going and begging at the desert and all the different prayers all the way to when he gets to Gethsemane. So even for Jesus, while he was on this earth, he also grew in his relationship with God, in his prayers with God, and grew all the way to where then he can go to the cross. And it's the same for us. We just continue to grow in that intimacy with God. Uh, another powerful thing about Jesus is, you know, Vivian said you can look for the things that Jesus did, but John, in, uh, John chapter 20 says, there's not enough books in the world to write down all the things Jesus did. So we're not going to know everything that Jesus did. And he even prayed for his disciples to do greater things than him. So some of you will do some greater things, trusting in him, trusting in his spirit and being guided by his spirit. Uh, as we move into the section on what is our, what is God's purpose? Uh, what is our purpose? And we ask that from, what is our worldview in Christianity? What is our purpose? You get a hint of that in Romans chapter 15. Um, the book of Romans is pretty much um, a treatise. One of the major themes in, in Romans is this whole idea of bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles, two ethnic groups that were uh, at odds with one another. Um, had conflicts over how to practice Christianity, had conflicts over how to view one another. And Paul is trying to um, create an argument and craft a, uni a unity and explain that this um, hostility that you had in the past between Jew and Gentile has been solved, has been broken down by Jesus, that the two races, the two or the two ethnicities are now one in Christ. And in Romans 15, uh, verse five, he says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And so with one another, different backgrounds, different um, economic status, different um, different ethnicities, whatever, we are supposed to have an attitude of mind, not that we instantly will agree with one another, but that we will sit down and work through uh, our differences in thought and our differences in, in feeling. And here's where he gives a hint about purpose in verse six. He says, so that, you, you do these things so that with one mind and one voice, we can glorify God. We may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get into our purpose is to glorify God. And so it's not about us. It's not about um, our lives going well. It's not about our happiness. It's not about everything working out. I mean, the Christians at that time were heavily persecuted. Uh, the Roman Empire was not happy with the Jews or uh, those who were followers of Christ. Many were put to death. Many were thrown in prison. But we are here to glorify God. And in doing that, you know, Paul goes on, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How we treat one another or one another relationships is part of how we glorify God. Our, obviously, our outreach to the world. When Jesus said, I came here to seek and save the lost, that is how we glorify God, by spreading his kingdom, proclaiming his kingdom, spreading the good news of his kingdom. Um, he even repeats it. He says, I uh, verse 8, I tell you that Christ has become a servant on, of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. So yes, you Jews do um, are God's people. You are God's children. You Jews um, are 
uh, those who God promised that he would glorify himself through you. However, you need to accept, verse 9, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. The Gentiles are just as much engrafted and adopted part of God's kingdom as, as you Jews were, and they are there to glorify God as well for his mercy. So what are we to do today? We are here to glorify God. That is, our, that is our purpose in all that we do, in our relationships with one another, have to reflect that we glorify God. As we enter into a political season, how we present ourselves in social media, on the internet, has to glorify God for his mercy. How we treat one another with differences of political opinions, differences, points of view, different um, ways of approaching things has to glorify God. So our lives are to be a reflection of glorifying God for his mercy. So um, when, when I think of the purpose, I have this scripture that kind of wraps up the scripture and the intimacy in Psalm uh, 57 verse 2 when the psalmist says I cry out to God most high to God who fulfills his purpose for me and um, you know that that if we cry out to God we know what the scriptures is he will fulfill our purpose and uh, often you know we wonder like what is his purpose and you know, a lot of you are quite young and you're working on your career. And so you're constantly thinking, you know, what's the purpose? What's the, and especially in a time like this, what is the purpose? But if we beg God, he will reveal the purpose. And then everything else that we do, our jobs, how much fun we have and all that is just serendipity, right? So the most, the thing that in the end is the most rewarding and fulfills us the most is praying for God to fulfill that purpose. And so I just, this little part, I want to wrap up with saying that the key to understanding God's purpose is also understand, you know, going back to knowing scriptures and having that intimacy with God, because if we don't have, if we don't find our meaning and our connection with God and we don't get our value, from God, it would be very difficult for us to understand what the purpose that God put us here in this earth to accomplish. And so if we can do that, then we can be devoted um, to the Lord's plan for us and for our purpose. And, um, and that will carry us through really hard times and even through some really wonderful times. But what it will do for you best as leaders is that you're not checking a list of what you can or cannot do. And actually some of the other classes that we're gonna do are going to be some actual leadership classes. But if we don't start from this, from the most basic thing that we have to do as uh, people that God has risen to lead or to help or to um you know what however you want to say you want to say leader um if we don't start from the most basic we are we're just starting on quicksand so these three things for us at least i could say for john and i is the most basic to be able to help the church in helping to lead people to christ and helping our brothers and sisters excuse me, as we lead our little groups. And each one of you will be different. It's not, you're not gonna be the same because you all have different personalities. And your intimacy with God, the one thing that will show is if you're, if you're doing these things, the spirit of God will reveal your intimacy with God. And what you do then is you bring people to Christ and not to your personality. Because the worst thing as a leader is to be having one of those personalities and you end up bringing people to you and not to Christ. Because I always think, you know, when we're not there, you want that disciple that you helped 
to be anchored in God's word and in his prayer and intimacy with God and to know his purpose. You don't want them anchored in what you fed them. You want them anchored on what God feeds, which lasts forever. And so this wraps up our little lesson. And now we're going to open it up for any questions, uh, for any feedback, anything that you want. But we want to keep it within this very open, very intimate kind of atmosphere where we can help each other. Yeah, I'll uh, comment first. Um, thanks, John Didion. So I guess like even talking about this, um, it's hard to do a lesson like this if you don't live this these kind of things out yourself. And it's kind of obvious when people talk about stuff like this and they don't live it out themselves. But that's not you guys. So thanks for being an example and for having uh, this type of relationship with God to be able to like share a lesson like this from. You don't have to say that we did a good lesson. We might have done a really bad lesson. I thought, I thought it was really good. Get, I, get, I'm just, yeah. I'm just like, oh, oh, are we having like a specific discussion, or are no, we just like general thoughts? Like general thoughts. How we well, open to a specific you, discussion. What helps you? You know. I mean, I think you you hit some sure. really great stuff there. Um, I think you kind of focus like all, I look at all three of these things and. They all seem like really personal, you know, it's, you know, you're taking the time to break down scripture and context, which, I mean, you will end up studying the, with other people, but there's a lot of that personal reflection, you know, your intimacy and your relationship with God, you know, this is something between, between you and God and your purpose is something that's kind of internal, but in all these things at the end of the day, like you'll figure out if you really invest the time in them, like, oh gosh, like I have to do something as a part of a community or I have to be involved with other people. Because it's so part of the purpose, you know, as you said, it's like, okay, well, we're glorifying God. And then if you start looking at the scripture, you'll realize, oh, man, this is by connecting with other people. This is by accepting other people that think differently. This is by loving God and loving people every day. And then you get to wrestle with that, with God in prayer. And that's where you get to talk about, oh, man, like, well, what about this person over here? Man, Joe just really irritates me. I cannot take Joe any longer. Um, but the scripture seems to be calling me higher. And if my, my purpose, I know at my core is to glorify God, I have to figure out how to forgive Joe and figure this out. Yeah. And I, and I think if, if you're, if you have the depth of relationship with God, then you can't help, but to want to get it out there, like either share where you are spiritually or what you read or what you understood or how it moved you and even sharing with with other people and you know sometimes we go through some dry spells but we can go back and grasp onto to god and work on that in, into you know work on that intimacy so i i wanted to share i remember at the beginning i said i prayed every day god lead me to some soul today and help me like give me ideas on what to do with the neighborhood. And I prayed that for days and I'll tell you, there was, there was nothing there. And one morning I'm praying and the spirit just, you know, gave me ideas. And I just met a professor that from Kennesaw University who actually lives somewhere in this neighborhood. And- um, He was walking by while Vivian was out Gardening. I actually wasn't gardening, but I, I make myself go out to do stuff to see if I see any human being, because since we work for the church and we're also inside. Uh, so who do I share my faith with? Anybody who I call to give me an estimate to fix something in my house, because they come over, and anybody I see on the street. But I think if I had not prayed that continuously, maybe I would have been outside and I would have never said anything. So what I did was I looked up and I said, hey, do you live in the neighborhood? 
anyway, I'm not going to make this, this story very long, but um, it's Joe and Sylvia. And Joe and Sylvia are looking forward to getting with John and I. And so we're going to do a social distance dinner, and we're going to reach out to, to John and Sylvia. And John and Sylvia might never become Christians, but you know what? That's not my job. My job is just to be an ambassador, and, um, and hopefully, you know, by the way we live our lives, they'll see something different. It calls them closer to God. And amen, I hope they become Christians, because my other prayer is, God, please, I want to see you change somebody's life through scriptures so that my faith will grow, because our faith grows when we watch somebody's life change, because they're reading Bible and they're getting it. And you're like, oh my gosh, this thing really works. It really changes people's lives. And when, you know, I, I look, I said to John, oh my gosh, how long since we've had somebody that we have watched God change their lives. And I need that. I need to see God. So I've been begging God, God, please do your thing and help me to grow in my faith by watching you change people's lives. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. You know, how God is answering that. And I'm going to keep on praying the same prayer. Um, but it just, it's awesome when, um, when you're connected, then it just, you know, then you act on it. As, have any of the rest of y'all found new ways to connect with people? Or ways to connect with new people, rather? Uh, walking. Um, we met uh, a guy who is finishing his um, medical school. Um, he's uh, four year of medical school. Mm -hmm. And we just like walk around. We see someone with a puppy. We stop, pet the puppy, and then start talking. That's the, that's the way we do stuff. Um, and, and also, like, now that, I, that we have time, here we connect with people that we know in school. Like I know a lot of people who are maybe still doing research from their house and they don't have anyone to talk. So I just call them and talk to them and have a conversation with them just to know like how they're doing. So it's just using your, what you have right now and what you can do uh, to actually just look and meet people because it's about relationship, right? You are you are care for the lost. You are looking forward to create that type of relationship. It's God who's going to put that desire. It's not me. I'm an ambassador, like Vivian said. I'm just a vessel that God is using, uh, and I want my life to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And the way that I do stuff, the way that I relate to people, is the way that people are going to see me and going to be like wow this guy is amazing this couple are amazing and we just want to get together with them and they can see god uh, through us um but but yeah uh, also i think richard wanted to say something and i saw him like putting his uh microphone on and off i don't know bro you you wanted to say say something sure him can you guys hear me a little bit far away. If, really? if I, can you hear me now? Yes. Better. Okay. Yeah, I was um me and my wife um been reflecting a lot, trying to get what Vivian was talking about, the intimacy with God and, and prayer. And what we did this Saturday was on the Sabbath, what we did every hour, we got up, we set our alarm. Every hour, got up and prayed and read the book of Psalms, scripture from each song, and prayed and sing a song, sing praise to God throughout the whole Sabbath until 8.44 until the sunset on the Sabbath. So that was a very, um, I know it sounds basic, but like Vivian Dunn was talking about, going back to the, the basic, the foundation, trying to get the intimacy back again, to feel that confidence in the scripture to feel that confidence in, in our prayer life and that intimacy with God once again. It was powerful. It was like, we just, like, why we didn't think about it before? And now we're like, we need to do this more often to connect with God, to be closer to God. And so I just want to share that with you guys if it may help. Man, that's, that's, that's a lifestyle. That's not basic, bro. 
um, I think it just by doing that, it's it just is a reflection on your commitment, you guys' commitment to God. Um, I think that we we can we can learn from you guys. I, I think just uh, taking the whole like part of the day just to just focus on God and not focus on anything else. That's amazing. That's that's great. I, I think you know I want to do that too. We'll talk some more about that. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm going to tell you what I, Henry, what I'm start. I'm going to start to do. I decided that this time there's no boundaries because if you invite somebody to something, then and they don't live close, you know how that is. Oh, you know, then you have to hook them up. So, so I just decided that I was going to start calling my friends from the world that I somehow still kind of reach to. And I'm just going to say, hey, guys, this is a really hard time. And I'm going to start a little Bible reading and praying. And I want to invite you. And it's going to be this day at this time. Now we have Zoom it's to help you and join me. And, um, and that's what I'm going to do. because, And I'll probably invite Sylvia and, and Joe to that. It won't be to my family group. It'll be something more intimate. Like... We can do anything. Yeah. We can come up with anything. And yeah, the only way that I know how to meet people is, you know, I still have to wear face mask and all that stuff, you know, social distance for me. But it's, it's just because I'm praying, I'm like, I got to open my mouth sometimes, you know, but I'm just going to open my mouth and see where God leads it. And I am praying, trying to be faithful that God will will help me grow in my faith, watching him work on people's lives. I, so yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Richard and I, uh, with the kids that come over and ask to, Richard and I, with the kids that come over and ask for a dollar to take out the trash, we use that opportunity to uh, warn them about the neighborhood and, and um, that, not to go in nobody's house and be careful, but also when I go out grocery shopping, I use that opportunity to reach out to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw this young girl and and she looked destitute and um I was like, uh, I know she needed money. And um they would walk she was walking around and I and I walked walked over and gave her some, but I told her, I said, God if you, you, she seemed like she about 20. And I was like, you know the truth. And I was like, if you walk towards God and learn the word and go in the word, you won't have to do anything unsavory for money. That God will lead people to help you, but you have to be obedient. You have to come to Christ. And I was like, wow. You said, as I was walking out the store, leaving from the little girl, an older woman was walking up and she was looking in her purse. And I had 10 bucks and I gave her 10 bucks and I was telling Richard about the first lady, but it was a stranger come up to her and said, Oh, I saw what you did. That was what good, what you did. I was like, well, that's not, you know what I'm saying? I said, um, we have to be careful with our heart and what we giving, how we give. And I started like sharing the word of God with this woman on something totally different. And so every, even with Richard family, he's been meeting up with his family um, on a Zoom, and I've been meeting up with my family on a Zoom, and I was like, I'm embarrassed that now I speak of God and his glory now. When I've talked to them in person so many years, when me and Richard talked to his family so per in person so many years, and now we standing up for God and standing up for his word and be like, no, we're not going to do that, but this is what God wants us to do. So it's every op everything you got, you know what I'm saying? If you're talking to your mom, if you're talking to your cousins on the phone, that's the opportunity. I was just gonna suggest that for those of you that are leading, it's not um, look in your own family group. Today, this week I had conversations with two sisters uh, praying the same thing. God just put it in my heart to call them. And oh my, you know, one is 
was ready to to leave um, and the other one just had some things in her heart she felt she couldn't talk but uh, just the calling and how are you doing and asking and then praying um, I would I would venture to say I'm only going to talk about in town that during this time we probably have a huge number of people that are not connected spiritually with the father in intimacy and in the scriptures and you know I've been hearing as I I took out the the list of people in in town and I've been trying to get through it the more I speak to people that even yesterday we spent time with a couple and they're like hey we haven't prayed and read our bible like they're asking us how do we help our kids and then they're like we haven't prayed and read our bible we just feel dull and and you know we didn't say oh my gosh you know you're a christian you know your bible every day we just hey this is what we're doing would encourage you this is how we can in the end all we did is we're doing this we're trying to change how can we encourage you we prayed together and um you know and they they were reflecting on how they oh my gosh you know the height that we've fallen we really have to go back to the basics. So it's not just sharing with us. We're changing, right? And growing in our intimacy, not, not just with the non-Christians, but even with our family of believers that are not saying things, but I know they're going through a lot. And they're not, and instead of clinging to God, they're, they're like dull. They're forgetting about what the word to to bring us back to life in him. And any other things going on in your groups? Any question, any needs we can help with? Any questions you have about your group? Um, I think, well, more like prayer requests over share. There's a couple people, like a couple of sisters in our family group who are just like looking for jobs, going to interviews and stuff like that. So just praying for those things to like pan out and like they are they can find themselves in a place they want to be at. And and I know it's kind of weird to say you know, the fact that there's a pandemic going on and stuff like that. But um but yeah just praying for those like interviews, praying for those different um job opportunities that open up and they can, you know, land somewhere they want to be at. So yeah. Isaac, encourage them to um to add it to the prayer list that goes out every week. Where is that? Where is that? Because we, we have one within our group, but like how you get to, I guess, the one that goes out Erica every week. Erica and her weekly email posts any prayer requests that people want. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll and make sure them know that. Everybody gets it and the <coughs> name, you know, that so that their names are on there. Okay. And guys, don't forget, if you have anybody in your ministry that has absolutely no money, unable to even feed themselves or anything like that, make sure that, that you let us know so, you know, or they can go in and get some benevolence from the church if they absolutely can't make ends meet. So, so in my family group, there's, um, there's this older couple and they tend to be like really wise and loving and like teach some really great stuff and, uh, lead some awesome meetings. And, uh, I was wondering how I could express my gratitude to them. Don't let them take over. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, Sam, you're a breath of fresh air in that, in that group. You're, and it's not just your mouthwash. <laughs> well, <laughs> y'all are just lucky that I did brush my teeth before this call. Um, so, uh, you know, when we have it too, just so you guys know, this, like we said, this is just core, basic, working on this. Every time we get together, just really just talking about how are we doing with our intimacy? You know, whatever. You know, this is this is the the core of our being. And then as we move to the other ones, we're gonna just do some specific things on the Bible discussion, things to do. We'll probably find out some more 
things that people can do, ideas. We'll share them with you guys. And then we're going to open it up to see if there are things that you have in your family groups that you need help with, that we can help you. Okay, just, you know, um, situations, um, how to tackle them, or, you know, you can ask advice about any of that. Just, just remember something as you watch Jesus's life and what he did, uh, he did not think of things hierarchically. In other words, as the leader, you don't want to be a hierarchical type leader, making decisions for everyone, shoving information down to everyone. You want to be, you know, we're in this together. Um, ask for people's opinions, consensus, get other people involved in doing things delegate delegate a lot you know, yeah. try to get other people involved in doing things i i learned a big lesson when i was first a, a disciple you know they were teaching about confessing your sins to one another so you could be healed T talking about understanding things from the context but anyway one day i went to a sister who was leading and i said to her oh i wanted to confess something to you and she looked at me and she says well, have you confessed it to God first? Because I can't really forgive you. Oh boy, I learned a really good lesson that day. I've never forgotten. I wanted to share that with you because I think sometimes when people come to us, it, it, it's great to say, I do want to listen to you. Have you gone to God? Have you prayed? Have you gone to him first? And then come, come back and you know, we follow up. We want to follow up. Come back and let's talk. But, you know, sending them back so that their dependence is on God and not on you. Dependence on God and not on you. So. Also, too, before dispensing any advice, you just ask them, say, hey, have you, have you looked into God's word and tried to come up with an answer to that question? Like, what, what scriptures have you considered? And, you know, if they don't have any, you can direct them to some, but. Uh, and we're not here to provide answers for other people. We're here to direct one another to scriptural principles, to Christ, and to answer our own, to answer our own questions. So just general okay. principle. Okay, we don't want to let it go too long because then you won't want to meet next week. I hope you guys, what, not, not next week, the week after. I hope we all can get together again. No, it is next week, actually, because we were doing every... No, every Two other weeks. Week. So last week was the official one, and the next week will no, be. No, this, this, this. Oh, this one. This little group. Yeah, but then the following week will be the diversity class again. So it's like it's. All right, we'll let you guys know. We'll follow up on our. Prayer. No, no, you're right. It would be yeah. It would be two weeks. Uh, okay, whatever. Okay. John will send you an email. He's good at doing that. You won't get it from me. Okay, guys, we love you. Appreciate um, you. And um, 